Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Questions All right, table fam, how are we feeling today? Yeah, okay, okay. Got some, a little bit of buzz in the room. This is, this is cool. Hey, if this is your first time at the table or first time in a long time, uh, my name is Isaac. I'm one of the pastors here at First Orlando and part of the leadership team here Leadership team here at the table. And man, we're just so glad that you're here and that you chose to spend a Tuesday with us. And my aim is that by the end of this, with, with singing and with a little bit of me, uh, not a little bit, a lot of me speaking, and if y'all know it's me, I just talk a lot, <laughs> uh, and some singing again at the end, my hope and my aim is at the end of it, that you will feel encouraged and that you will know where to put your hope in and his name is in Jesus Christ. So you can just join me in prayer. I'm just going to pray just to set up our time together. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your son Jesus. God, and thank you for your spirit. God, that we may be encouraged today, that we may be filled, and that we may be challenged, um, Jesus, to follow you more deeply. So we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we are starting a brand new series, and I'm going to hold off on what we're talking about because I want to set up a little bit uh, of the series. So in order to set up the series, you got to know a little bit about me. So I grew up um, as a pastor's kid. Um, I grew up as a PK, uh, and if you know anything about pastor's kids, any other pastor's kids or PKs in the room? Yeah, okay, we got a few. So you know this, um, either if you grew up as a PK, like you also end up in ministry or you end up in jail. One of those two, one of those two. So I end up, you know, I'm here in front of you guys today, I end up in ministry, but I was like the like annoyingly good church kid. So maybe you weren't a pastor's kid, but maybe you were like the, like me, were like the goody two-shoe, annoyingly good church kid, right? So um, I grew up just as that guy. So even when I graduated high school, um, I'm thinking, okay, well, I want to stay on the straight and narrow here. I want to be the goody two-shoe church kid for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm going to go to a private Christian university. So I'm, I go, I'm from Texas. Some of y'all know this. So I'm going to Baylor University, which is the largest Baptist university in the world. Um, and you know this too, if you go off to college and you don't know who you're going to live with, um, you get set up what's called going potluck. You guys familiar with going potluck? So going potluck is essentially, it's like a, a roll of the die of like who you, it's like this roulette of people that you may live with. So as I'm, this roulette is happening, I'm just hoping, because I have no idea who my roommate is going to be, I'm just asking, God, please don't let my roommate be weird. <laughs> please don't let my roommate be weird. Um, and he, I'm sure my roommate uh, was praying the exact same thing. Unfortunately for him, though, he got stuck with me. So, so we end up getting paired together, and I'm like, we have no idea who each other are, but we start living together. And sure enough, um, he's actually like a really cool guy, and we get along really well. So we do a lot of things together our freshman year, and we're watching movies, we're going to events together, we're hanging out with the same people. Um, but me, I'm still holding on for dear life, trying to be the goody two-shoe church kid. And he starts exploring life outside of church. Because he grew up Baptist, but what he realized is he actually didn't believe what he thought he believed or what he grew up believing. And then about halfway through freshman year, he said, you know what, Isaac, like, yes, Christianity is fine over there, but look, I'm just going to be honest, I'm agnostic, 
right? So if agnosticism, if you're unfamiliar, this basically says there may be a God, they may not, they may, they, there may not be a God. Ultimately, we don't know because there's not enough information to know either way. So now I'm like, oh no. You know, here I am as the goody two-shoe church kid. I'm like, oh no, it is now my Christian responsibility to convert him, right? <laughs> so with my cape, I go fly over to him, and what do I say? Nothing. I say nothing. And weeks go by, and months go by, and I feel this conviction from God that, man, this guy's not a Christian, man, I want him to be a Christian. Like, I just, I just need to have this conversation with him, but I said nothing. To where eventually... He brought up the conversation. This is April of our freshman year. We had been friends for eight months now. We'd done almost everything together. Um, he starts a conversation at two o'clock in the morning. I'm try- if you have a roommate, you, you know this. Like, you're tr- like you try to like honor boundaries, but it gets weird sometimes. So I'm uh, you know sleeping in my pillow in, th- in this college dorm room situation. Like we're actually like in the same room. Um, so I'm in my bed, kind of pulled over, you know. And he you know turns the light back on. He's like, Hey, Isaac. <laughs> Like, oh no. So at first, I'm annoyed. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to go to sleep, man. It's two in the morning. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to go to bed early. Um, so, so he starts a conversation asking all of these really amazing questions about faith. Like, hey, Isaac, why do Christians say that the earth, or not every Christian, but a lot of Christians say that the earth is only a few thousand years old? When science, most scientists say that the earth is, you know, billions of years old. Why do Christians say that? Like, oh, that's a really good question, right? Hey, Isaac, why, um, like, what does it, like, to mean to be a good person? Like, where does morality come from? I'm like, oh, man, that's a really good question. Hey, Isaac, did, did the flood actually happen? Like, I know that's recorded in the Old Testament, but did it actually happen? I'm like, oh, man, that's, 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 that's a really good question. And as he's asking these really amazing questions, I start answering to the best of my ability, and I realize I actually don't know a lot. Here I am as the goody-two-shoe Christian kid. Here I am as the guy that grew up in church, the pastor's kid, the guy that knew the Bible, that I had all the answers in my secular public school. Well, yeah, (laughs) but didn't really even have conversations in public school growing up. But here I am in a very real conversation with a person who is not a believer, who was genuinely curious, not antagonistic, was genuinely curious, just wanted to have a good conversation. And I realized I just don't have a lot of answers for him. Right? To where eventually he asks me the question, which is like, if you're a Christian, this is like the most layup, softball, like this is, if you're a Christian, you want this question. Hey, Isaac, why Jesus? Why is Jesus the only way to heaven? Right? Wouldn't that be amazing if somebody just came up to you and just asked that and you could like share your hope and your faith in Jesus? So here I am in this moment, I'm 19. He asked me, hey, Isaac, why Jesus? And in that moment, I realized I didn't actually know. What I told him was, hey man, like I just, I know it sounds cruel, but man, you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, believe in Jesus to go to heaven. Like I don't really know why, but that's just, that's just what Christians believe. In that moment, and I went home that summer, and I felt so much shame for not knowing why. Here I am proclaiming that Jesus is the cornerstone of my faith and I have absolutely no idea why. In God's grace and in God's sovereignty, God, um, I call it, as I share more of my story, my spiritual reawakening, where my eyes finally opened to like actually like know what we call the gospel. So um, it, 
I want to prevent, not prevent, um, my aim for the next few minutes is I just want to help you be able to answer that question, and that's going to help set up our series. So, if you want to know, if I were to answer him now, (laughs) uh, why Jesus, here's what I would say. Because there is one God, and that God created heaven and earth. And that God created us in his image and in his likeness. And as God created us, God gave us dignity and value and worth. And as God created us, he made us to worship him. And in that worship of him, the glorification of him, that we might have a relationship with him. The story starts out really good. The story gets really bad, right? Because then our first parents, Adam and Eve, as do we, um, we don't choose to worship God. We actually choose the opposite. We choose rebellion. We choose sin. Our first parents did the same thing that we do today, is that we redefine good and evil. Where our first parents, Adam and Eve, they called good things evil and evil things good, and that's the exact same thing that we do today, where we call in our flesh, outside of Jesus, we call evil things good, and we call good things evil. And because of that, because we rebel against this perfect and holy God, we are separated from God. Because we are sinners by nature and choice, right? We are each our own God sitting on our thrones, redefining good and evil outside of how God, as the creator of the world, redefines good and evil, right? But God, this is where the story starts getting a little better, (laughs) because God came into human history as fully God and fully man in Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived a life that was without sin, but he was still tempted as we are. And Jesus actually, all the the sin and the punishment and the death that we deserve, Jesus actually took that on um, on the cross, right? So a lot of Christians talk about the cross. Here is why. Because we as humans, we deserve sin and punishment and death, but Jesus took our place. Jesus took that sin and punishment in our place. Why? Because he wanted us to have a new life. Jesus doesn't want us to die. Jesus wants us to live. So the Father sent his son Jesus in order to take our place so that we may have a new life in Christ. So Jesus died uh, for our sins on the cross willingly, purchasing our salvation. And then it gets dark for a little bit. Because then Jesus died. And he was dead for three days. But here's where the story gets amazing, right? It's because Jesus resurrected, and as he resurrected, he defeated Satan, sin, death, and hell. Isn't that incredible? Is that cool? Y'all can clap. I like this is this this is amazing. Like this is so incredible because here's why. Had Jesus stayed dead, there is no good news, there is no hope, there is no gospel. Because Jesus rose from the dead, that changed everything. When Jesus was there in, there in the tomb in the grave, um, his disciples honestly were hopeless. They, they had been following, tracking with Jesus for, for a few years, and now the dude that they're following is dead. And they're like, oh, whoopsies. <laughs> were we following the wrong guy here? But Jesus rose, and that's where we put our hope and our trust. And as he resurrected, he told his followers, he commissioned all of us with the Holy Spirit to tell this good news to others. So now, as we're sitting here today, um, this is, um, uh, you know, uh, March 9th, 2021, the year of our Lord. Um, here's what we can say now. Is that there is a good God who loves us. And Jesus is ruling over everything as the King of Kings, who's telling us to repent and to believe. And also, we know this too, that we're sitting here now today, but we know that one day is coming where Jesus is going to come back. He's going to judge the living and the dead. 
And that everyone who puts their hope and their trust in Jesus is going to spend eternity with him. And we don't talk a lot about the table about this, but I'm saying this right now. Everyone who does not put their hope and their eternity and their trust in Jesus is going to spend eternity apart from him in hell. Not good news at all for people that don't put their hope and their trust in Jesus. Incredible news for people um, that do. Right? So, Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. Had Jesus not resurrected... There is no Christianity, there is no hope, there is no new life in Christ, right? So Andy Stanley says this, I love this, if a man, she's talking about Jesus, can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says, right? Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection, and he did it, that's incredible. So us, we're saying, hey, look, we want to follow Jesus. We know that Jesus didn't just show us what happens when we die, he shows us how to live, Look, Christianity is not about, hey, here's how to live a good life so you can be a good person in order that at the end of your life you've done just enough good stuff in order to be, go to heaven. That's not what Christianity is about. Here's what Christianity is about. Christianity is about following Jesus because Jesus is showing us not how to live for later and go to heaven. Yes, that's part of the story, but Jesus is telling us how to live now, today. And we need to know, okay, if Jesus rose from the dead, how does that impact me today, now? We're sitting here right now. I'm sitting on the stool right now. You're sitting in your chair right now. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean for you right now today? Perhaps you're here and it doesn't mean anything. Hey, look, I'm glad that you're honest. Hey, welcome to the table. This is a safe place to ask and explore that. For those of us that are saying that we're Christians, and for those of us that are saying that we're putting our hope in the resurrection of Jesus, what does the resurrection of Jesus actually mean for us today? So that sets us, sets us up for our series, which is the graphic here, WWJDIHWM. <laughs> WWJDIHWM, which stands for, what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he were me? Look, so we read in the Bible, in the Gospels, the life of Jesus, and then he resurrects and sends his spirit right? Which we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But man, what, what would Jesus do if he had my family? What would Jesus do if he had my job? What would Jesus do if he had my relationship? Right? What would Jesus do if he was single? <laughs> he was. <laughs> <laughs> what would Jesus do if he were me? So this is the series that we're going to explore the next three weeks, um, leading into Celebration Night, leading into Easter. Um, what would you just do if he were me? And let me go ahead and give you the SparkNotes version. Do people still use SparkNotes in school? No? Is that, am I dating myself? Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, elder millennial, y'all. Elder millennial. Uh, so here's what Jesus would do if he were me. And we're going to, for the next three weeks, here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what Jesus would do. Jesus lives his life up, in, and out. Jesus lives his life up, in, and out. So for the next two weeks, we'll talk about what in means and what out means, right? But here's what up means. That's what we're going to talk about today. How does Jesus live an up relationship? Um, and really, um, how does Jesus have an up relationship um, with God, even though he is God, which we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But so if we're saying that we want to follow Jesus, we want to do what Jesus says, then we ourselves, following Jesus, who lived an up relationship, how do we have an up relationship with God? Right? 
So if you're like me, you're asking this question. Immediately think, okay, how do I have an up relationship? And you're probably asking this question, how do I hear from God? What does that mean to hear from God? What does that mean? What does it not mean? How do I hear from God? How do I not hear from God? Like we think, most of us, we think of our up relationship and immediately we start thinking, how do I hear from God? And the reason we try to hear from God for, uh, I will say most of us, uh, myself included, the reason we want to hear from God is because we're asking, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Like, what, what career does God want me to have? What, what uh, relationship does God want me to have? What are all these things that God wants me to have? So I want to have an up relationship so I can just know God's will for my life. Because we fear, we fear mishearing God. Because we want to hear God so we can get the best version of our life. Right? And we, our fear, uh, for a lot of us, is that if we mishear God, we're going to miss out on the best version of our life. So we automatically equate an up relationship with God for wanting the best version of our life. So whenever we sit with God and consider that, we start immediately asking, what is God's will for my life, right? And, and, and um, our fear too is that when we mishear God, we fear missing out on, um, on the best version of our life and we get really confused because some things are hidden to us. And we feel very confused about that right? Because we're like, okay, God's will for my life. I want to hear from God. What's God's will for my life? Okay, like what job should I have? Flip the Bible open. Um, okay, adulteress. Don't want that one. Okay. Um, okay, uh, is engineer in here? Is teacher in here? Okay, maybe, maybe you just became a Christian recently and you're like, I think I want to go to ministry, which is great, but is that God's will for my life? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, is it? Is it not? Maybe, maybe um, you're just a relationship, should I date this person? Should I not date this person? Like, is it, like, what, what's God's will for my life? And we feel really confused, right? Um, because we don't want to mishear God. And that confusion leads to insecurity and hopelessness. So a lot of times, as we consider this up relationship with God, we actually don't get encouraged. We actually get discouraged, because we feel like God isn't talking to us, because we feel like we can't hear him, and then we're like, am I the problem? Is it just God not talking to me? Like, what, what's going on here? And we just feel very confused about the, some of the big decisions we have to make in life, and ultimately it leads us to feel very insecure and hopeless, right? When it comes to hearing from God and trying to figure out God's will, if we focus on the wrong thing, now hear me, if we focus on the wrong thing when it comes to God's will, we're going to stay confused. But my aim is I don't want us to be confused, and I don't want us to be insecure, and I don't want us to be hopeless. Um, my aim is I want us to have clarity in God's will. Is that cool? Can we do that? Can we have, try to find clarity in God's will together? Can we do that? Can we get some nods over here? All right. So um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 6, where Jesus is going to be so clear, so clear on What's God's will for my life, which is going to help inform how do we hear God? So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, we're going to be in John chapter 6. As we're trying to hear God's will. All right, John chapter 6. I'm just going to read the passage, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to start unpacking it and kind of pulling some things to notice some things. But I'm just going to read it straight through for now. It'll be on the screens here as well. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise, it, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to unpack that passage. We're going to pull some things apart. That was a lot of stuff. You may read that. I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. Hey, that's okay. We're going we're gonna to explore that together. Um, but as you notice, um, it starts talking about father, and it starts talking about son. And you may be like, wait, what, what's going on? Um, you may not be a Christian in here. You may be a Christian. You may be a new Christian. Um, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you can just tune out for the next couple minutes. I'm going to help those of us that are maybe just new and exploring. Um, what Jesus is loosely referring to, uh, uh, for a second, is called the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity is not actually in your Bible, um, but it helps inform an idea that is so true. So you, if you read your Bible, you're not going to find this word Trinity, but the word Trinity means three. Um, and to deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. To try to explain the Trinity, you lose your mind. So I'll do my best right now, <laughs> uh, just try to, try to just be helpful. Um, so God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, right? When I was growing up, there was a song uh, by the Donut Man. I'm really dating myself. <laughs> and the song went, God is three and one, three and one, three and one. Um, I don't remember anything else, but you know, like those, like, like just songs just get stuck in your head forever. For the rest of my life, y'all, I'm 31. For the rest of my life, when I think of Trinity, I'm going to think God is three and one, three and one, three and one, right? So God is God, but God is also, so one God, but three distinct persons, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God in eternal relationship with each other. Okay, so really, we're not talking a lot about the Trinity as far as unpacking it more, but that just gives us enough context to be able to look at this passage, and it, it, hopefully it'll make a little more sense. So we're going we're gonna to start actually in verse 38, where he has this, where um, Jesus says this, for I, this is Jesus talking, I, Jesus, have come down from heaven um, remember we, when we shared the gospel earlier um, that the Father sent the Son down to bring redemption to the whole world? So this is what Jesus is saying here. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Okay, so what, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, hey, look, I, Jesus, was chilling in heaven, you know, creator of the world, along with Spirit and Father, all three of us, creator of the world. And I came down to enter into human form. But as I came down, I humbled myself to be a human, fully God, but also fully human. And because now I'm fully human, um, I'm not going to do my own will as a human, but I'm going to do the will of the one who sent me, which is the Father. So Jesus, as he's entering fully into human form, he's saying, look, I came and I'm going to do the will of the Father, right? So it's a really good practice for all of us as we start considering what's God's will for my life. We just need to consider what is God's will, and we didn't know that it's not um, uh, our will, and not really even God's will, but more specifically, it's the Father's will, right? So as we consider will, as we consider how do we hear from God, we need to know that will starts with the Father, right? 
So, but we also know that we ourselves, like Jesus, we're like, well, okay, well, I've been tracking for the Christian for a little while. Um, I don't want to do my own will. I know that I want to do God's will. I want to do the Father's will. I know this, and that's a lot of us here. That was me. Um, when I was in my mid-20s, I was working at a church, um, doing communications. I was doing graphic design. I was doing, like, um, video production, photography, uh, social media stuff, um, just you, getting to use my film degree at Baylor and doing this communications job. But as I'm doing this communications job at a church, I start wondering, do I want to do this? If I have to design one more VBS poster, I'm done. Like, I just, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. So, like, do I want to work for a church? I don't know if I want to work for a church anymore. Like, I just don't know if I want to do this. And then here comes a Facebook ad. And this Facebook ad says, hey, want to make money quick? You should learn online marketing. And I'm like, oh, you mean I can make money quick learning how to do online marketing? Cool. So I start learning how to explore like online digital marketing where I start learning about Facebook ads and I start learning about like Google search, AdWords and all, all this stuff. I start learning these things and now like I'm learning these things like in like courses that I'm taking online and like trying to get clients and like, build my side hustle. Um, every millennial has a good side hustle. I'm trying to build my side hustle um, while also like working this church job that I don't know if I want to keep working it because I don't know if I want to like work for a church long term or not. And during this process, I'm like, okay, but I, I, I want to, God, follow your will. Like, is this on, like, is being a multimillionaire your will, God? It's definitely my will. <laughs> definitely my will. But God, is it your will? Because I'm going to be so successful. That's definitely what's going to happen. But I don't want money to change me. Like, God, what is, is it your will? Is it my will? And really wrestling with this, is it, like, is this God's will? Um, and I'm wondering if that's a lot of us. We get so stressed trying to, quote, know God's will and trying to figure out if it's God's will or or if it's our will. And then all of our energy goes to try to figuring out God's will. And we get really stressed about it. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But first, I want to clearly define what is God's will. So, what is God's will? God's will is this. Let's keep reading in verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Okay, so um, hang here, Dan, hang here. Cool. (laughs) So I want to unpack this for a second. Okay, so Jesus is saying, and this is the will, again, the Father who sent me, um, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Okay, I want to make sure that we understand this. This could get confusing. Okay, so the Father has given us to Jesus. Okay, so the Father's will is that he has given us, those of us that are saying, hey, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior, those of us, he's saying that he has given us to Jesus, but Jesus is saying it from his perspective. He's saying that I should lose nothing of all that he, the Father, has given to me, Jesus. Okay, so the Father's will is that he has given us to Jesus, right? And what does Jesus say? I'm not going to lose it. Everything that the Father has given to me, I'm not going to lose it. If we're saying that we're putting our trust and our hope in Jesus, here's here's what we're saying, is that we're saying, hey, the Father has given us to Jesus. Jesus is not going to lose us. There is nothing you can do for Jesus to lose you. That's incredible. That's such good news. We didn't earn it. We're not saying that, hey, we, we, we gave ourselves to Jesus. No, the Father gave us to Jesus. And if the Father gave us to Jesus, we can't ungive ourselves to Jesus. Does that make sense? I'm getting a little hypey. <laughs> my, my preacher voice is coming out a little bit. I'm, I'll t- tone it back a little bit, or maybe I won't. 
Okay, so this is incredible. So we know that, hey, look, if we know that we didn't give ourselves to Jesus, the Father gave us to Jesus, then we know that in Jesus, because we didn't give ourselves to him, we can't do anything to lose Jesus having us, that's where we have security. The Father's will is for us to have security in Jesus. Okay, I'm going to move on, and then we'll come back to that. So, so whenever Jesus says, lose nothing, he's saying, hey, look, we have security in Jesus. That's one, that's really good news. That's the gospel as well as that's God's will. God wants us to have security. God doesn't want us to feel insecure. God doesn't want us to feel like really discouraged, not what's going on in life. So the clarity that God the Father wants to give us is saying, hey, look, put your security in Jesus. Other things, yes, we'll figure that out later, but man, you gotta start and be real clear as we're trying to hear from God, as we're trying to be real clear with what God's will is for our lives. God's will is that we find security in Jesus. Okay, can we go back to the verse, Dan? Okay, so then it says, but raise it up on the last day. Okay, so what's this? So Jesus is saying, hey, look, in everybody that um, I have, everybody that the Father has given to me that I have that I'm not going to lose, the, these people, now I'm going to raise it, 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 but is, is believers, Christ followers, raise it up on the last day. So what does that mean? That means that we know that we know how the story ends and we can put our hope in the end of the story. Because right now, I mean, we've, we just finished, if you were here for the In Our Feel series, y'all look, life is real hard and we get anxious and we get sad and we get angry. Why? Because we have this pain that we have to deal with. We have the sorrow that we have to deal with. We have this anguish that we have to deal with. But we know right now we're in the middle of the story. We, if we're in Christ, we know how the story ends. The story ends incredibly, where we don't no longer are crying and have pain and have sorrow. We actually have victory because of the resurrected Jesus. So that's what Jesus is saying here. Raise it up on the last day. Jesus, we get to resurrect with him on the last day. And that's where we get to spend eternity is with him. So we know that we have security in Jesus, and we also know that we have hope in Jesus. That's really, really good news. That's really clear what the Father's will is for us, to have security in Jesus, to have hope in Jesus, right? So, so how is that helpful in hearing from God and knowing God's will? Because we don't need to stress about what we don't know about the unknown future. We can just focus on what we do know. And here is what we do know, right? Is that we have hope in Jesus and we have security in Jesus, right? But we start thinking about God's will and start getting very confused and stressed about the things that God has not chosen to reveal, and that leads to our insecurity and our hopelessness. But God makes it very clear that when it comes to his will, he gives us to Jesus, and we will be raised with Christ on the last day. Okay, but God's will requires something of us. It requires something of us. So we know that we get security and we get hope, but it requires something of us. Let's, let's keep reading here. Let's keep reading. Verse 40. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. Right? So what God does, God gives us hope and security, but here's what we do. Here's our responsibility, is that we look on the Son and we believe. We know that we get hope and security in Jesus, so as a response to that, we look on the Son and we believe in Him, all right? So God's will is for us to look at the Son and believe in Him. Now, I want, to, I want to talk for a few moments about this word belief, because it's very interesting. This word belief is not an idea. This word belief is not a concept. This word belief is not a thought. Belief is action, 
Here, let me improve to you. Okay, so um, I'm about to share a story. I've shared it a couple times before. This will be my third time. If you've heard it before, amazing. It's a good story. If you, had him, if you hadn't heard, heard it before, great. Okay. So uh, when I was uh, back in Texas a few summers ago, um, I was living in Texas, and I went to Colorado uh, with the church, the, my previous church that I was working for. I went with student ministry uh, to Colorado. And while we're in Colorado, we choose, um, it, or it was kind of decided, to go whitewater rafting. So I'm very excited. This is the first time uh, that I get to go whitewater rafting, and I'm, I'm so excited about it, right? So as you know, with any extreme sports um, that happens, um, they give uh, what I like to call the speech, right? The speech. So here's the speech where they said this. Welcome to Arkansas River Tours, where safety is our number one priority. <laughs> she kind of sounded like, uh, like Roz from Monsters, Inc. a little bit. So, so she, she continues that, um, uh, you know, we need to remain in the raft at all times and that at any point during the river tour, if we find ourselves outside of the raft, uh, we may find ourselves in what she called a low oxygen area, which means uh, you're drowning, <laughs> right? And at any point, she continues, you know, in her, uh, in her uh, Ra's voice, at any point during the river tour, if you find yourself outside of the raft in a low oxygen area, you know, um, be part of your own rescue. Help us help you. If you find yourself outside of the raft and you're within seven feet, grab onto the paddle and pull yourself in. If you find yourself outside of the raft in a low oxygen area and you're eight feet or beyond, I suggest you get to within seven feet to grab onto the paddle to pull yourself in, <laughs> right? Be part of her own rescue. And she said, hey, look, if you're in a low oxygen area, here's what you need to do. Number one, don't stand up. Number two, remember nose and toes. You got to keep your uh, nose out of the water and you got to keep your toes out of the water, nose and toes. And then also rescue yourself before you attempt to rescue others. Okay, so those three things. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm listening to the safety speech. Like, I'm good. Let's go. Like, I, I got this. I got this. Yeah, I believe her. Like, we're good. That sounds smart. Um, that's well, one, I'm not going to find myself in a low oxygen area, uh, foreshadowing. Um, and two, <laughs> two, like, even if I do, yeah, I, I got all that. Like, don't stand up. Be, um, you know, nose and toes. Be part of your own rescue. Like, I'm good. Okay, so I get to my raft. And in my raft, it's like me and like a bunch of like these tiny middle school girls. And I'm like... Okay, I, hey, I'm good. It was me, and then um, our, our, the raft guide, he was like the broiest of bros, like this guy named Jason, right? And he was like, hey, guys, we're going to have a really good time on this raft. Hang loose, bro. We're going to have a really good time, and look, let's all paddle together, because if we don't paddle together, things may get a little crunchy. And by crunchy, he meant we're going to get impaled by rocks. <laughs> He's like, and um, if things get a little crunchy... When we all go swimming, and by swimming he meant we're gonna get violently rushed or violently thrown like to this rushing river. He's like, but we should be good. Let's go. And I'm like, can we practice first? Like, <laughs> so so we start going, and uh, sure enough, like we're going, things are going well. He's like paddle. He's in a bro, really bro way. He's like paddle, and we're like paddle. That was me. Like paddle, you know. And like we're all going like really well um, at the same time. And he's like, all right, back paddle. We're like back paddle. And he's like, turn left. And like turn left. He's like, turn right. Turn a crunch. We hit a rock, and as we hit this rock, the raft shoots straight up in the air. And as we know, everything that shoots straight up must come down. As we were coming down, like I was in the front, homegirl right here, she gone. 
she like, bless her heart, she tried. <laughs> she tried to hold on, she couldn't. She was in the water. And for me, you know, I'm like, the paddle, like literally like this, I'm about to fall over. I got the paddle and I was like, eh, it should be fine. I just let go and go in the water. Mistake. <laughs> Mistake. So, so we're in the water and what do, I, what do I immediately do? I immediately, I stand up, right? Dig, dig my toes into the rock, stand up and go try to rescue her. I did everything that the river guide told me not to do, right? And now I'm like trying to like rescue her and I'm like, oh, uh, this is unsafe. Oh, nose and toes. But then I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And then I try to rescue her and then I just end up like spinning like in the water, just very unsafe. Had you asked me whenever we were giving the safety instructions, remember those? I didn't either. <laughs> when we're giving the safety instructions, had you asked me, um, do I believe those? I would have said, yeah, I believe those safety instructions. You know, don't stand up, nose and toes. Um, you know, be part of your own rescue. Um, so it had, had you told me if I believed that, I would have said yes. But here's what I, here, I just thought that. Because here's the thing, is that you say what you think, but you act what you believe. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. Belief is action. Belief is not a thought. Belief is not a concept. You don't need to tell me what you think. I'll tell you what you believe. I'm just going to look at and see what you're doing. That'll tell me a lot of what you believe, how we, order, how we orient our lives. You say what you think, but you act um, what you believe, right? So belief is action. Belief is action. And we know that this action, if we're saying, hey, we want to believe in Jesus, so now if we're saying belief is action, so our belief in Jesus is actually action in following Jesus. And these are decisions we make and things that we do right? And really, belief really can be defined as this, obedience. Belief is obedience. When we're saying that we believe in Jesus, we're saying, hey, look, I know that I'm secure, and that's where my hope is, so I know that I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to believe Jesus, and as I see Jesus and believe in Jesus, I'm just moving and following him in my decisions, in my, the things, how I'm orienting my life, and how I spend my day, and the people that I'm spending time with. Man, it is all belief in Jesus. Eugene Peterson says it this way. It's amazing. Belief is long obedience in the same direction. When we're saying that we believe in Jesus, we're saying that, hey, we believe in this long obedience in the same direction of following Jesus. And y'all, look, let me say this. Nobody's perfect. Ain't nobody perfect here. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not. I'm actually saying I'm not perfect. That was the setup to say that I am. I'm not. I'm not perfect. Nobody here is perfect. Actually, what I love about the table, you, you see this on the, the table host shirt, the people wearing black shirts. It says a banquet for the broken. We're saying, hey, look, we're messed up. We're trying to figure this out. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. But here's what we're saying is that we believe in Jesus. And although we may stumble, we may fall, we repent, there's forgiveness, there is grace. But we're saying, hey, look, our overall orientation is actions and decisions following Jesus. Belief is a long obedience in the same direction. Let's keep reading because I want to, uh, verse 36, but here's what Jesus says. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. So Jesus is not talking about everybody, but he is talking about some. Here is my fear. My fear is that some of us are seeing Jesus, but we're not believing Jesus. 
Some of us see Jesus, we know things about Jesus, um, we've been in church for a long time, but we're not actually believing Jesus. Or, um, even worse, um, our belief is inconsistent. Well, let me, let me, um, let me show you a story. This is not you, or maybe you, but I'm not singling out anybody in particular. I just want to give an example of what a week may look like for some of us. Okay, so Sunday morning. You may go to make church here on Sunday morning, and then maybe even you're part of a residency program or discipleship program, so you do that on Sunday mornings, and you're like, great, yeah, Jesus is awesome. I'm singing. This is incredible, right? And then Monday, you get to work, and you're scheming, and you're plotting, and you're lying, trying to get a promotion. Tuesday, table Tuesday, woo, yeah, table Tuesday, let's go. And then Wednesday, we're gossiping about the people that we just served with on Tuesday. Thursday, life group. Yeah, I love my life group. My life group's incredible. You know, and then Friday, we're partying with friends, um, doing things that deep down we know we don't want to do, but we're doing that, and we're partying, and we're quote-unquote having a good time, and the people at church, our church friends, know nothing about this other group of friends. Got real quiet. Whoopsies. (laughs) And then Saturday, you give your grandmother a call. Who knows? So it's possible our hearing from God is confusing because the way we live our lives is confusing. And we're really disoriented and very disintegrated, and we're trying to hear from God, we're trying to discern God's will, but it's difficult because the way that we're going about it is like, okay, like I, I want to know God's will, but like, man, can God just like bless my will? And like, I want to know God's will, I'm going to believe this way, but man, we're like just very just. just disintegrated, and we actually, our actions are proving that our belief in Jesus may not be a belief in Jesus because it's inconsistent. It's not long obedience in the same direction, right? You see Jesus, but we don't believe in Jesus, and it's confusing, and we wonder uh, why some of us struggle to hear from God. Here's the big idea. Big idea is this. Hearing becomes clear with obedience. Hearing becomes clear with obedience, right? So um, maybe about a year ago, um, I was in a um, season of my life where I was disintegrated, and I was like inconsistent uh, um, just with my life with some things going on. Um, And my former boss, Doug, like he was so kind and gracious um, to me, and we would talk about it a lot, and he was trying to help like reorient me just to have long obedience in in the same direction. and um, I tell Doug, um, I say, hey, Doug, I, you, know, you know what, bro? Like, I'm really struggling to hear from God right now. He's like, oh, interesting. Tell, say more. I was like, yeah, I mean, I just feel like I just haven't heard from God in a while. Like, I'm trying, you know, I sit, trying to read my Bible, trying to pray. I just can't. I just, I just feel like there's a gap between just, like, me and God. And I'm trying to, like, um, like, I know God's there. Like, I know I'm here. I'm trying to orient myself to him. I just, it just seems really unclear. I'm a little confused. I just can't hear from God right now. Um, and Doug says... Hey, Isaac, well, sure, uh, what was the last thing you heard? I was like, oh, well, I heard this. He's like, oh, okay, and then what did God tell you to do? Oh, the thing, from that thing that I heard a year ago, God said do this. He's like, okay, great, have you done that? I said, no. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, man, just do that. <laughs> Hearing becomes clear with obedience, right? Like we want to hear from God, but in part, the reason that we can't hear from God is because we already heard from God, we just didn't do the thing that God told us to do. So if we're struggling to hear from God, just do the last thing God told you to do and see if that helps. Hearing becomes much clearer with obedience. So now, if we know that um, 
you know, God's will for our life is really clear, and we know that we don't need to stress about the things that are very unclear, confusing, maybe about like who to marry, um, what job to have, these really life unclear things that we feel confused about, here's what we do. We just go with obedience with what we know is clear. As God speaks and we hear from him, we just take a step. Hey, look, I don't know like all this big, confusing life stuff, but I know this really small, clear thing I can do. Okay, step. 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 Just keep moving forward. Long obedience in the same direction. And as we just keep moving forward with how, whatever we hear God is saying, then we know that um, our hearing from God and discerning God's will for our life just becomes way more clear. Right? It's possible that the reason that we just can't hear is because there's some steps of obedience that God is waiting for us to take. Okay, so um, we're actually um, kind of um, uh, wrapping up here. I want to ask us some questions that are going to help us hear from God. Okay, so here are three questions to help with our hearing. So question number one, how am I cultivating seeing and believing Jesus? How am I cultivating seeing and believing Jesus? And by that I mean... um, Am I creating space, actually, in order to hear from God, right? For some of us, the reason we're not hearing from God um, and, and considering this up relationship is because we're not actually cultivating time to sit still and actually hear. We're like, um, hey, God, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And we're not like, and he's like, eh, and it's like, we just keep like running past him, Right? And we're just like busy, 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 busy. And we're like, oh, I can't sit still. I'm just busy all the time. I go to this group and this group and this group and do this thing over here and this thing over here and that thing over here. And we're like, I can't hear from God. And we're like not sitting and listening. Are we cultivating seeing and believing Jesus and giving space for God actually to tell us something? Um, How am I cultivating seeing and believing Jesus? Do you have a consistent time where you can just sit before God. Um, a lot of, you may have heard it called a quiet time. You may have heard it called a daily devotional. Um, you maybe it's out in nature. You just like walking around. You can just be still and just hear from God. So how am I cultivating seeing and believing um, in Jesus? Um, with I know we almost say this every week with a journal. Journals are incredible uh, because they help you process like what God is saying or what you feel like God is not saying. It's, you can just it's just brings so much clarity when you can just get your thoughts and be able to write it down in a journal as you're considering Scripture, as you're praying, and as you're just trying to hear um, from God. So how am I cultivating seeing and believing Jesus? Number two, how am I seeking help to hear from God? How am I seeking help to hear from God? So by this I mean um, knowing that until we get to heaven, um, there is still this war that we need to wage against our sin and our flesh, right? We're not perfect. We're not able to think clearly all the time and hear clearly all the time. So we need help. We need resources that sometimes as we're trying to hear from God um, and discern God's will, um, we just get clouded like with our own junk, So sometimes we need to seek um, outside help to help us in order to clear up some of the junk and some of the mess, right? So this was me and my story that I told earlier with Doug, where I was saying, hey, man, Doug, I can't hear from God. And in Doug's wisdom, he said, Isaac, just obey the last thing God told you to do. For some of us, that's what we need to do, is we just need to share with people, share with safe people, just the hearing from God or not hearing from God, or, hey, I think God may be telling me this, but I'm not sure. Can you just help help me process this? Um, or maybe it's resources. Maybe it's a really good book. 
from a really just encouraging, insightful um, just Christian author or just something that's going to help spur your affections for God. Um, there was a season in my life also about a year ago um, whenever I just, I wasn't really hearing from God. And there was a book um, by, John, by John Piper um, called, um, so his book that he's most famous for is Desiring God. He wrote a follow-up book that says, uh, When I Don't Desire God. <laughs> So that, that was me about a year ago. So um, uh, delight ended up becoming my word of the year for, for 2020, um, just to try to help cultivate, um, like, man, I just want to stir these affections for God. I really want to delight in God. So how am I seeking help to hear from God? It can be really good book, it can be people, it can be other things as well. How am I seeking help to hear from God? And number three, um, did I do the last thing that God told me to do? Did I do the last thing that God told me to do? Okay, as we close, um, I want to finish with um, uh, verse 35, where he says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever, what's this word? Believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is saying, look, if you see me and you believe in me, man, that's where your satisfaction is going to come from. That those of us that are seeing Jesus, that are believing Jesus, we are never going to thirst. Jesus is the object of our hunger and our thirst, and Jesus is the all-satisfying end to every longing that we have. And we know that as we're trying to hear from God, as we're trying to hear his will and discern it and trying to be obedient, we know that ultimately that we get all of our satisfaction and all of our hunger and all of our thirst, that Jesus is going to satisfy every need um, that we have. So my prayer and my hope for all of us is that we are fully satisfied in Jesus. We can just sit, just eat, and be filled. Let me pray for us as we sing. It's the time for respond. God, I pray for my friends. God, that we may see you, we may believe in you. God, that we may be satisfied in you, that we may hunger and thirst for you and that you may satisfy every longing that we have. God, I just pray um, just for, um, help us as we're trying to move forward, just consistent obedience um, to you, knowing that we don't earn it. God, but we get to because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.